With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Right, we are back on another episode of the Anonymous Eagle podcast. A nice, what was it, a, was it a 10 day? No, not quite that long off, right? It's when like we, eight days we off. Eight day hiatus for us. Uh, I'm Patrick Leary, joined as always by Sam Newberry. A uh, quick housekeeping thing before we get started. Um, in theory, there was potentially an ad at the start of this podcast. I'm not totally sure how everything will go, but in theory, there was an ad. Um, that's because um, SB Nation uh, reached out to us along with a number of different um podcast uh brands throughout their uh sports uh media empire uh so to speak um and basically uh i I think as part of an overall uh effort to uh sort of start monetizing podcasts and um you know taking advantage of that medium uh they reached out and said hey um can we you know, take care of your hosting, um, and you guys sort of become a part of the official, um, you know, podcast network, so to speak. And, you know, we started this as sort of a fun thing that we were going to do for Anonymous Eagle, but really just wanted to try to do market basketball podcasting. And it pretty much... I mean, it's it's a win-win for us because it, you know, helps us. We don't have to do as much work um, uh, as far as, like, managing the back end of uh, how we get the podcast uh, to where you listen to it. Um, so it was a win-win, and there will be, like, an ad every, I don't know, 20 or 25 minutes now. Um, we're thinking for most episodes just like one at the beginning one in the middle and one at the end it'll be a very small change um but it'll be better for us in the long run because we don't have to deal with as much stuff behind the scenes and it's nice to know that uh you know the the mothership if you will um sp nation yes. um is really looking out um and identifying that there there a lot of the the team pages they have and the um you know the just the different sports they cover everybody's podcasting now it's 2019 right. everybody makes a podcast trust yeah. me i make two um and uh, sam's got me beat there although yeah. i'm working on one another one right now but um it, it's nice to like officially be under the sb nation umbrella um they're looking out for us um and that's why you know sort of coming with that that help and that um sort of that that platform that we get to utilize and uh you know be distributed to more people and be heard by more people and uh, yeah. stuff like that um you know, it comes with the trade-offs, and um, you know the the content won't change. Um, no, definitely not. The, the format just changes a little bit. And we actually may. So before before this, um, the way I was um, structuring it, um, I was definitely capped. Uh, I was capped to five podcasts a month. Now we weren't really approaching that necessarily, um, but I will say that, uh, um, especially as we get towards, um, you know tournament time um there could be instances where i could foresee us having to do um podcasts um you know frequently even if they're shorter um to sort of preview recap games that are you know not scheduled in advance yeah, like the rest I, we'll of we'll probably have two during the big east tournament at least yeah like i we're gonna do more and we're gonna be able to do more with this because um we get unlimited hosting and unlimited posting so Wow, I came up with that rhyme on the fly, and I'm really happy about it. Um, but anyway, that's just sort of a housekeeping thing, and we're excited about it. So um, hopefully there won't be any disruption with your subscriptions, because um, I think I was able to resolve that. Um, but we'll see. Um, and so bear with us if there are any issues, and, uh, you know, ads are, ads are good. Anyway, um, all right. Getting into Butler, um, Marquette with a 79-69. Uh, nice. 
Yeah, no, I was going to say, that's that's why Laval pressed, is just he needed to get to 69, but once he got there, it was fine. Um, but uh, last night against Butler, um, a win that was um, very standard fare for Marquette's Big East performance this year. Um, fell behind early. Uh, you know, closed the gap. Uh, somewhat by halftime, the gap opened up again, and then they closed it with a huge run. Yeah. It's been, I mean, they've been doing that so often. Yeah, so. The, it's sort of uh, start slow, uh, fight back to close at half, get punched in the mouth right after halftime, and then make the Marquette run. Yeah. So, um, I mean, yeah, it was pretty standard. Um, it's nice to get a season sweep of Butler. Um, it is very nice yeah. to get a season sweep of Butler, though. It's not something that we've not ever done. A, no, we have, not at all. Um, and, uh, I mean, I'm looking at the stats here, and it was a 10-point win. Um, can't take a ton out of that besides maybe Laval Jordan trying to minimize the net impact he would take. Um, Laval, Laval was trying to minimize the amount of sleep I got last night. Yeah, that That was too. my conclusion. Yeah. It was bedtime. It that, was a that was a eight, eight central time game that in Laval is pressing at ten fifteen, and that is not happy. It's not making me happy. Yeah, not not the best thing in the world. Um, good things to note out of that. Uh, I mean, Marquette has been able to take Butler's best punch in two different games now, um, and uh, one away at Hinkle Butler punched back to get within, what, two or three at one point um, after Marquette had had a large lead. Yeah. Um, so we've been able to take their punches and deliver it uh, full counter. Uh, and so, like, when Butler went up eight to start the second half here in Milwaukee, uh, Wojo called a timeout, and Marquette came out swinging for the fences after that, and it was kind of over from there. Wojo's, Wojo's press conference was great. I watched it this morning, and... He was talking about how he had like a nice direct conversation with them when they went down eight. That was really funny. Um, yeah, uh, Butler is a uh, very good matchup for Marquette um, because except for Sean McDermott, apparently. Yeah, I mean, I'll talk about who was <laughs> defending him a little a little later, but um, Butler has in both of those games not offered Marquette a ton of challenge. Um, on, on really either end, and it, it comes through in um, they don't have a super long guy to stick on Marcus Howard, which is a huge benefit um, to Marquette. However, Laval Jordan being a good coach, he schemed a way to pressure Marcus effectively with the aggressive double-team hedge that Marcus was not really exploiting. Uh, At least in the first half. Yeah, I mean... A lot of how he ended up succeeding against that double-team hedge ended up being um, sort of uh, difficult three-pointers that he made, which is great, but not super sustainable. Yeah, uh, I mean, there were multiple times, again, especially in the first half, where I went, oh, Marcus, why are you shooting that? Which is weird, because yeah. normally we don't say that for Marcus. No. Normally we're like, oh, that's fine. But he was he yeah. was not extremely willing to um, attack the double-team, fearing a turnover, and there was a sequence in the second half where he finally did attack the double team, succeeded, and then attacked the double team on the next possession and turned it over. <laughs> yeah. So it was, but I believe that might have ended in that crazy awesome play he made on Baldwin anyway. Yeah. I think that might have been that same sequence. So, but anyway, that's sort of a tangent on sure. the plan for Marcus. Well, I mean, just to interject real quick too, um, in the, you'll, you'll see where I'm getting at sort of following along with this. So... Uh, I know you want to talk about this going or in a little bit, yeah. but um, Sean McDermott got a bunch of fouls off the ball called for in his favor by head snapping on screens. Um, so like his 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 offensive player would set a screen, he would roll right off the shoulder of his guy. His defender would follow him, and he'd head snap and get. I think he had like three or four of those. Um, I don't know why Marcus, who is a king of the head snap yeah. foul, was not trying to draw that against that really gun. aggressive hedge. Yeah. But, um, I mean, in the end, Marcus still scored 28 points, made six threes. Yeah. This is why I'm not a D1 basketball coach, I guess. Uh, another aspect of the good matchup that Butler is for Marquette, um, 
they didn't have anyone that could really challenge Theo John. No. Um, Nate Fowler and Joey Brunk are like, or uh, Broy Junk. Broy Junk, as he's being <laughs> hilariously referred to on Market Twitter. Um, it was. Uh, there's not a lot that those guys do offensively that would give Theo John problems. Um, so Theo John was able to stay on the court, and Theo John played 32 minutes. That was third most on Marquette. Um, I am not willing to take the time to look this up off the top of my, or to look this up, but uh, off the top of my head, I don't ever remember seeing Theo John playing the third most minutes. Um, for Marquette in a game this season. And, I mean, you, you saw how good the defense was in the second half um, before, before sort of the um, mad dash at the end. Um, and I think Theo being on the court was a massive uh, part of that. Um, so I'd say it's finally like he he wasn't poorly officiated for what I think is the first time I've ever seen. But yeah, like like you said, there wasn't really like a Tyreek Jones. Or it was a, called for one foul. Yeah, like there yeah there was like there wasn't a Tyreek Jones. There right. wasn't a Nate Watson. There wasn't um, you know some other big guy with the offensive ability. Yeah. to really force Theo into being in position, being in the position where refs call those fouls that he normally gets. Now, yeah. we, we can argue all day if he actually deserves those or not, but he was never put in a position where that was a problem. Yeah, and I guess the other aspect of it was there wasn't really a player on Butler that was... I mean, Sean McDermott had a really good game, um, but they weren't consistently... Um, they didn't have a consistent source of offense, and they had too many times, and this is what happened to them in uh, at Hinkle as well is they had they had this these stretches where their offense would just shut off, um, and Marquette's defense would uh, come up with stop after stop after stop, and it would just and it it, it buried them, and that it happened again, um, and it's it's a matter of uh, you know this Butler team is kind of in transition, um, yeah, you know it's tough when you lose your coach. Um, to a high major program, especially at the time of year that they lost him, because they lost him well into the off season. That was a couple of years ago. This is yeah, Paul Jordan's this, second year. This is year two. But I'm just saying, like, losing a coach at that point is a challenge that I think um, is a fact. It, it results in their lack of uh, roster depth. That's um, probably fair. Yeah. So. Um, but yeah, I just in general, um, this team did not pose a ton of matchup challenges for Marquette um, at in either of their two games, um, and so Marquette having superior talent, I just think it showed um, once Sam Hauser got unstuck in the second half, um, Marquette was just too good. I mean, and you know, big shout out uh, to Jamal Kane. Um, yeah, who talk came, about big minutes. Yeah, I mean, he came in at a time when they were struggling and they needed um, another offensive option, and he made two big shots um, in the, uh, what would it have been, like the the mid... Uh, you know what? I mean, did he make the jumper in the first half of the second yeah, half? Yeah, uh, he made the jumper in the first half because it was yeah. at the opposite end of the floor. But I think he played good defense. You're right, it was at yeah. the opposite end of the floor. Um, he played good defense, and they needed a functional um, piece out there because they weren't getting a lot from their complete lineup for the first 20, 25 minutes of the game. And he really gave them a lift, um, and that was sort of all they ended up needing. Um, another interesting thing um, that I saw in that game was how much uh, Butler was giving Marquette an um, extra pass dunk to the big guy. So it, they seemed very... Obviously, they were double-hedging on Marcus every time he'd get a pick. So that was a key component of their defensive game plan. But they also, especially in the first half, seemed um, willing to let Marquette um, score um, once Marquette had executed to the point where it was just a 
bounce pass to the big guy for a dunk. Um, they seem to be like willing to let that be the way that Marquette was going to score, which is an interesting. It's an interesting strategy. I mean, yeah. combined, I have uh, just looking at it here. Ed Morrow was two of two from the floor. Theo John was six of seven from the floor. I mean, yeah, yeah. So Theo dunked it five times, right, for points, or I guess maybe four. But they, I think it was a combination of they were willing to let Marquette score like that, but they also just really didn't have a good defensive big guy yeah. to shove on. Like neither uh, Brunk nor uh, Fowler could deal with Theo as an offensive threat, which yeah. is. You know, kind of weird. Usually in the the Big East, or at least in this iteration of the Big East, um, you know, just outside of Jesse Govan, really, there's not a bunch of offensive focused big guys. Yeah. But there's a lot of great down low defenders. Strong. Yeah, like yeah. Butler and, doesn't have that. Yeah, this but year. Butler doesn't have that this year, and so it's just it was just wild to see us be able to exploit it to the level we did. I mean, it's not often that. Uh, Ed and Theo combined for uh, 19 points. Yeah. Like, um, just to really drive that home, Theo was phenomenal. Yeah, 3 I mean, of 4 from the free throw line. Um, yeah, I. you know, his free throw is really growing on me. Um, he's, he, to me, visually, it seems like he started arcing it higher um, in between maybe the start of this year and maybe conference play. He made an adjustment to it. Um, and it's it's going in at a higher percentage than it was. I mean, he was lost all of last year and to start this year at the free throw line. And he's a guy that um, is only going to draw more fouls as his career goes on. So for him to have a consistent approach that works at the free throw line is very important. And I, I think he showed that um, again yesterday with, um, you know, three or four from the line. But, I mean, the two-handed... Uh, I don't know. It wasn't really a hook shot. It was like a, a, sort of a fall away in the lane that he had that one time. And um, the nice right-handed uh, layup he had. I mean, he was showing post moves. And it was just like, oh, man. And then 11 rebounds is obviously massive for him. Um, I I kind of of the mind, based on how he played yesterday, that if he were to play um, 30 minutes more often, a.k.a. stay out of foul trouble... Um, again, not his fault a lot of times, but... Um, it's about but, 50-50. Yeah, it's about 50-50. He, he does some things sometimes where you're like, dude, just keep your hands up. And then he gets called for touch fouls that, um, you know, when we make the... Um, people on Twitter, I, I forget who it is that does it the most, makes like the of mice and men joke. Where it's like he can't Theo like Lenny Lenny because he's he's he just tries to play nice but he's too strong, um, and that's uh, uh, you know that happens a lot too. But um, I wonder how many more double doubles he would get if he were able to stay on the court uh, more consistently because you know 32 minutes last night and he was a massive producer. I mean Theo John and I guess I want to save this for the very end because I want to talk about the Big East in general a little mm-hmm. bit too. Um, but Theo John if the if the name Tyshawn Alexander didn't exist, Theo John would probably be the most improved player, and he's still in the running in the Big East. Yeah. But we'll we'll get to that um, later. Any I don't really have any other thoughts on Butler. I mean, um, Butler's probably on the wrong side of the bubble right now. Um, yeah, man, that's hard to yeah. say. That's so, hard to say because the bubble is so bad, but also being six and eight in the Big East is really bad. Yeah. So um, I mean, um, you know, Marquette got took a punch. You know, they've done it all season where they've taken punches and then made a run. Um, and then, yeah, they make run, you know, we're 22-4. and four. So yeah. uh, most of the time we can take that punch and come back and be just fine. So there are... Um, I just cursed us for Saturday. So. Yeah, I was going to say, there, there are more difficult games ahead than Butler at home. Yeah. Um, I think that's fair to say. I think given how... Um, Marquette has matched up with them in both uh, the times they've played. Um, it's really um, it, it's a matter of uh, you know this one is one that we should have swept this year and we did. Um, yep. So um, speaking of another one, um, we should sweep. Uh, we will be right back to talk about Providence. All right, let's talk about Providence. Um, this is a game that absolutely terrifies me. I would say that of our remaining schedule, especially going into today, um, 
this was the game, or excuse me, going into yesterday when we had this nice, uh, you know, week to think about the remaining remainder of the schedule. This is the one that I dislike the most because if you lose at Villanova, it's whatever you lost to Villanova. It's probably the toughest game on the schedule. It'd be great to win at Villanova, and I think they have a legitimate shot to win at Villanova, but you know, whatever. Um, Seton Hall, um, Seton Hall loves to rock fight us, um, and Marquette has struggled historically with Seton Hall, so, and Seton Hall is, I guess, a tournament team, I mean, they didn't help themselves by losing to Xavier, uh, yesterday, but, um, but Providence, I think, is fairly definitively not a tournament team, but also fairly definitively not a good matchup for Marquette. Yeah, I mean, um, you know, we can talk about Marquette's win at home. So, 11-point win at home um, a couple weeks ago. Uh, but, I mean, that was Providence shooting 4 of 19 from 3. Yeah. Um, shooting 12 of 23 from the free throw line. Yeah. Uh, and that was a game where Marquette hit 10 of 22 threes. Yeah. And went 23 of 25 yeah. from the free throw line, including 14 of 16 from Marcus. Yeah, and I don't know if that officiating will exist in a reverse home field or home court advantage uh, game, and I don't know that um, the shooting will exist in anywhere near that. Um, my biggest concern, um, beyond the fact that I hate 11 a.m. road games on a Saturday morning, I think that that's a terrible matchup. Just a, a, maybe the hardest schedule... Um, quirk to handle as a college basketball team Um, even if your guys don't go out and party um, which I think in years past we've thought that the team's best player has done Um, (laughs) leave it at that Uh, but uh, Providence uh, poses a threat with Nate Watson that I haven't seen in the Big East this year um, in games that Marquette has played um, in the Big East, I haven't seen a team have a truly um, post-bound big guy uh, that gave Marquette as many problems defensively as Watson did. Um, I'd argue the only one I saw was Tyreek Jones from Xavier, and that was only the at Xavier game. Yeah, I mean, and Tyreek Jones broadly is not the caliber of talent or I believe he's a little undersized too um but Nate Watson's a 6'10 250 sophomore and um if that sounds familiar Theo John is allegedly not as heavy as him I allegedly um Theo John's much more athletic than he yeah is <laughs> but this is a legit post scoring threat that you know the best big guys in the big east are like Eric Pascal, who is like a multifaceted, weird uh, stretch. Yeah, four kind Jesse of. Govan yeah. the same way. Um, and but Watson is a legit interior scorer. I mean, he had twenty one points against Marquette in the um, in the first matchup, which was another eleven a.m. weekend morning game. Although it was on a Sunday, not a Saturday. But he, he, I mean, he came out and was a force. He was 8 of 14 from the field in that game. Uh, and, yeah, I mean, that's concerning. Um, I uh, Another uh, concerning factor is A.J. Reeves is playing again, if I'm not yep, mistaken. Yep, you are correct. So, yeah, A.J. Yeah. Reeves, star freshman, best three-point shooter on the team, did not play in Milwaukee. Right. Um, and missed a substantial amount of games. He's only played 14 games this year, but he's playing again. Um, and yeah, he's a 40, almost a 42% three-point shooter um, in a sl- somewhat limited sample size, which you know sounds not great, but when you look at the rest of the roster um, of people that actually really play um, and, and attempt a lot of threes... Uh, they really don't have a good enough three-point shooter to regularly count on, and if Reeves and Reeves potentially brings them that um, as he continues to sort of reacclimate himself, 
Um, I'm briefly just going to click through to see how long he's been back for. I think he's been back. Um, looks like he may... Did he come back the game after they played us? That uh, sounds... That ex- might be right. I don't recall exactly. No. Um, long story short, uh, I guess just by looking at it, he's the he's the only one that will punish you from three yeah. on the Providence team. Um, you know, Marquette's defense is uh, not the... Gr- it, it's good. It's, not, it's 81st in the nation in opposing three-point percentage. But uh, in... You know, Providence as a team shoots miserably from mm-hmm. from three. But, um, you know, he adds a different dimension than what we saw in Milwaukee. Um, the dunk is a notoriously difficult place to play. Right. Um, Marquette Providence seems to have some voodoo witchcraft hanging over it since uh, the the realignment. Um, you know, the, Are you talking the, about the bat? The bat game, the, uh, <laughs> the, the hockey rink game, the, yeah. like... Every weird instance yeah. uh, has seemed to happen against Providence. So, um, you know, it is what it is. Um, Alpha Diallo is a problem. Um, yeah, Alpha Diallo is another interesting player yeah. because... So, sort of what Providence has as a team is not a great overall collection of talent. Um, case in point, they are 174th offensively in Ken Palm, which sucks. They're 41st in defense. Yeah, no, they, they're good at defense. They actually have the best uh, in-conference defense in the Big East. They, they've been flip-flopping with Marquette a fair amount in that, and they yeah. uh, have overtaken they just can't it score. as a result of the yeah. last... Yeah, they, they struggle to score. But what they do have is a number of really interesting pieces that aren't quite forming an overall positive unit. Um, but they have, like, Alpha Diallo, yeah, Alpha Diallo is uh, extremely difficult um, to uh, play um, as a as an opponent, and part of what that was, at least last time um, we played them, was he was working the refs like crazy. Yeah. Um, and that's, a, that's just a veteran guy that knows, um, okay, if I keep talking about this call that I want, I might get it. Um, so Providence has all the tools um, to put together um, a winning effort against Marquette, and uh, they showed it against presumptive third-best team in the Big East, St. John's, yesterday by beating them 78-59. Yeah, it was, it was brutal. Um, I don't know if, like, maybe the problem with St. John's and Providence is, like, the opposite Marquette problem that... Like, since St. John's doesn't have any real credible big guys, that Nate Watson's a problem. I'm not sure. Um, Nate Watson did go 8 for 12 last night, so that that's a potential explanation, Take I from that what you will. Yeah, um, but, uh, yeah, and Marvin, <laughs> Marvin Clark... <laughs> Marvin Clark had 5,008 minutes last night. Woof. That's not good. No. Um, so, uh, but yeah, St. John's... Uh, I think part of what made them tough against Marquette is part of what made them not as tough against Providence. And so Providence is definitely a team that's capable of causing problems for the better teams in the Big East, even if they're not one themselves. Um, So, yeah, I mean, the biggest challenge is if Nate Watson is posing a bunch of foul problems for the Marquette big guys and or if somehow Providence, who is one of the worst shooting teams... um, in major conferences, yeah. um, you know, finds the sort of home court advantage Marquette defense on the road shooting rhythm that we've seen a lot. Um, and because if they're able to shoot competently, they do so much other stuff well that they can pose a legitimate threat. And I like, I look at this game as um, the most potentially negative game that Marquette has remaining, especially since the rematch with Villanova is the next game. Um, Now, Saturday to Wednesday, I don't know, and, like, both being road games, doesn't feel as trappy as St. John's felt, although I think they just lost that game because St. John's is a terrible matchup. Um, But, yeah, again, Providence really worries me as an opponent, um, and and the concern... A lot of the concern is rooted in that the loss would not play well, whereas a loss at Villanova would be fine. Um, a loss at Seton Hall would be not ideal but understandable. A loss at Providence would be like, oh wow, that team is uh, almost a hundred in Ken Palm. Like, 
why are you losing to that team? And so yeah, um, so I mean, keys to the game. We just we we have to play our defense. Um, obviously, Marquette's been you know flip flopping with Providence is the best defense in the Big East. Um, you know, we've been Marquette's been very good at uh, you know stopping the, like obviously you have Theo John. You're good. You're going to have stops inside the arc. Um, and you're going against the, the worst shooting team in the Big East, I'd argue, at least from mm-hmm. three. Um, so you, as long as they're not beating us from the three-point line and we're playing our, our normal adequate defense um, inside the arc, we should be fine. Um, they're actually even worse shooting inside the arc than they are outside the arc, which is interesting. Yeah. Um, but one of the big points that... Um, so it, it was an 11-point victory in Milwaukee, but... Uh, Providence got 15 offensive rebounds that game. Yeah. Um, you know what? Now that you mentioned that, I remember being extremely so frustrated by that. Prevent that um, and then play the same style and level of defense. I mean, like, I don't think it's that we match up miserably with them. Um, I mean, they do kind of play a little bit like St. John's where, um, I mean, the, the guys that get a lot of run, um, they start everybody's 6'3 or taller. Um you know, the, all their subs are... They don't have a guy under 6'3 that gets minutes, basically. Um, so there's going to be length on Marcus Howard. There's going to be, um, you know, big enough guys to handle... Or at least guard Theo and Ed. Like, the, the matchups are there, but they're not probably as miserable as St. John's. Um, but if... It, that was a game um, in Milwaukee against Providence where I thought we were just trying to beat ourselves, and we were just that much better than Providence... I think that if we don't beat ourselves, it, we walk out of the dunk with a win. I'm not saying it's going to be a blowout or anything, but um, you know, that's a game where they were getting points because they were getting offensive rebounds. They were getting points because they shot 500 from inside the arc, you know, including, if I recall correctly, at least a few putbacks, um, a few wide-open shots that came off of those offensive rebounds. I mean, you're not going to get 15 yeah. offensive rebounds in a game um, and not uh, see second-chance points go in. So, um, you know, if we limit that uh, and then play our normal defense, I just don't think they can score on us. I think that this may turn into a rock fight because they play good defense too, and there there is some weird things where it's like Alpha Diallo guarding, being guarded by one of the Housers and then still having, you know, a a Malik White or a Makai Action Langford or an A.J. Reeves to drop on Marcus Howard. Mm -hmm. I mean... Yeah, it might be more of a rock fight than we want it to be, but I I don't see a huge matchup problem here. Um, the other thing I guess I want to say about Providence would be um, that they're five and nine in the Big East with two wins over St. John's, um, so they clearly lay a lot of eggs. Yeah, um, and some of those eggs have been at home. I mean, just last weekend they lost at home by fourteen to Xavier. Um, now Xavier appears to be playing somewhat better, but I would say that um, Xavier and DePaul are fairly clearly the two worst teams in the conference this year. Um, uh, maybe not. Maybe Prov- Providence. Providence wants to have maybe a, Providence, yeah, Providence but, or at least um, Providence has been probably the most disappointing one to expectations. Yeah, maybe. no, that's probably but, true. Um, but I mean, again, that's a low quality team in Xavier. Uh, not a low. Qu- I don't know. They're not a very good team, and it's they not beat them the by same, 14 yeah. at home. It's not the same Xavier that we're used to seeing where they're a problem. Yeah, and I mean, the dunk, you're right, has uh, typically been a really difficult place to play, um, and they've lost four times in conference at the dunk, um, including a uh, nine-point loss to Georgetown. Um, they actually played Villanova there well, even though they lost, um, and then they got beat by Creighton by 11. So... Uh, you know, it's weird. They're just not. They're not a very complete team this year, uh, but they do do things well enough, and it's a it's a um, difficult enough schedule uh, game that it's concerning to me, especially because the um, downside would be worse than any other loss remaining on Marquette's schedule. Um, that said, I predict Marquette will win. Yeah, um, I'll say. It's a single digit win, but I don't Yeah, no, yeah. I I mean I don't I don't envision it being a particularly fun game no. to watch no. because this team's good at defense but, and yeah. Marquette struggles on the road still. Sure. Um except for Hinkle apparently. Except for Hinkle, right. Yeah. Because um, Hinkle is the easiest place to play in the Big East yeah, of as course. we've learned this. As, as as you know. Big East um, math. 
Anyway. Um, uh, speaking of Biggie's math, do you yes. want to just like jump into the absolute mess that the conference is right now? Um, because Ooh, we, boy. We, we may have thought, we may have thought that the Big East was starting to present a clearer picture. And something was going to emerge. And then last night, everything went to utter crap. Like, ah, man. Nova lost by a bunch to Georgetown. Nova hasn't played that badly since their non-con when they were getting laughed at. Uh, St. John's got absolutely pelted by Providence, which makes no sense because they were just coming off beating Villanova. Um, and Seton Hall lost to Xavier at home. Just the like that's that might be the worst loss by any of the tournament. I mean, I guess DePaul. No, but Shamori Pons wasn't playing when St. John's I, lost to DePaul. I'll put it like this: I I will stand by my statement that I've made probably on here, definitely on Twitter. The college basketball is the drunkest of sports. It is. It really is, especially this and, year. And the crazy. Big East started doing shots of absinthe. Last yes, night. like the Big East went. Nah, we don't want to make sense. And just started ripping shots. Because nothing makes sense in this conference. Zero things. Nova shouldn't have three losses in this conference. They should have tops two. Then they get run out of the building by Georgetown. That result makes no sense last night at all. No one should be run out of the building by Georgetown. But here we are. Um, It was a 12-point game that was more like a 20-point game. Yeah. The last time Villanova... Villanova, a favorite in the game... uh, by a fairly significant margin, I'd imagine. Yeah. The last time they had over 50% uh, win percentage in that game was with about three or four minutes remaining in the first half. Yeah. Like, they was... got crushed. And it was like a Mac McClung, Jesse Govan tag team effort. So it wasn't like, there wasn't like a, an outlier game from one of the players that buried it. They, it was uh, McClung in the first half, Govan in the second half. Um, and just pretty decent overall play by Georgetown. And Villanova just, I mean, I know they're not going to shoot it that bad every time, but they're really not in a shooting rhythm right now. I mean, 23% from three is not going to fly if you're Villanova. No. because Especially because you say, oh, well, they shot 60% from inside the arc. But Villanova, we mentioned this uh, in our preview pod, Villanova is, one, is the second... Um, Second in the country in terms of the amount of threes they take to their overall attempts ratio. And the only team that is uh, more extreme is the outlier weird offense that Savannah State plays. Um, So it's for Nova to shoot 23% from deep is like devastating. That's that's that that's literally just signing the certificate that says they're dead. Yeah, they can't win. No chance. Yeah, I mean, so. I don't get it, man. No. Um, I'm worried about that team um, overall because I think that when Pascal and Booth aren't at their very best, um, they they don't have a lot of complimentary guys to no. really pick up the slack. Like, Sadiq Bey is a nice role player. Um, and I said this to you last night. I thought Sadiq, I think Sadiq Bey is going to be a really good player in the Big East. But, you know, he's a freshman and... He's not there yet. No, he's not there yet. And as they've showed with Javon Quinterly's minutes, um, it takes a while to adapt to their system. Um, I also don't think that Colin Gillespie is very good at all. Yeah, um, I mean... I think he's a decent offensive player. I think he's a, probably a huge liability defensively. Yeah. Um, and that he doesn't bring you enough as an offensive player. Um Villanova, and I said this to you a little while ago, Villanova, I feel, would be much more served, and this is obviously, this isn't like a legitimate scenario because Quinterly's not there, but if Villanova were able to rely on Quinterly and Booth in their backcourt with Gillespie as sort of a change of pace, I think it would be a lot better for them. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to come in with like, you know, Big East hot takes. I don't think Villanova's a second weekend team. Uh, I just oh no I don't no. think so either because I, their defense go- is not good at all no their defense isn't good and then all like we saw against Georgetown all it takes is them going cold and like who are they going to run into so right now they're probably staring down like a five maybe a six yeah they're seat. they're a five six range yeah um, which I means see if the matrix is updated yeah yesterday. it should be updated today but like it is not yet updated all, today. but all it yesterday takes, they were a five I say all it takes is them to run into a four of like Nevada or like. 
Oh, yeah. Yeah, like, it, the, the fours they run into, who are the predicted fours right now? Just run through the fours. LSU, Nevada, Texas Tech, and Iowa State. God, Texas Tech would eat them alive. Yeah, Texas Tech's defense would give them hell. And then those other three teams have really prolific offenses yeah. that would give them problems. Yeah, and I, I think LSU matches up to a scary degree with Nova because they just have better athletes at every position. And LSU then, is a really interesting team this year. Yeah, and then, you know, you're looking at the Nevada, which is... You know, it was a preseason top ten. They were gonna fall out after their loss last night, but yeah, that, um, I saw that loss. That was weird. Yeah, but I don't know what to make of them at all. No, I That's don't. But I just, I just think that no matter who Nova sees in the second round, it's gonna be a problem. Yeah. No, I, I mean, Nova, Nova's got the eighty first ranked defense on Ken yeah. I mean, they've not always had. Let's see what their defense was. Calling on Ben Snyder. Uh, if you want to do an article for me. Um, <laughs> I want to know what's the far like what's the worst defense to go the farthest like yeah like in the Ken Palm era it's the the worst second weekend defense or yeah something. like the worst second weekend or like, even like the worst like sweet or the worst like elite eight defense I don't know I'll I'll leave it open ended to you but I'd love to see because Ben's our big stats guy yeah and um I'd love to see him sort of dissect like offense versus defense. Maybe overall efficiency. I'd love to see some deep dives on some other stuff too, and that might be us trying to call Ken Pomeroy ourselves and be like, "Hey, can I get access to your spreadsheets, please?" But uh, uh, Villanova, just for clarity's sake, has the worst defense in the Ken Palm top twenty-five, but they're twenty-four, so that's not necessarily surprising given no. the split. But they have the third worst defense in the Ken Palm top fifty. Yeah, which that's a much more glaring thing. The only teams with worst defenses are Iowa. And St. Mary's, who probably shouldn't even be in the Ken Palm top. St. Mary's probably won't make the tournament. Yeah, St. Mary's is not a tournament team. Iowa, um, Iowa's an interesting team, but um, they they don't play defense. Iowa's a tournament team, but like if you look at some of their wins, like they have just the 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 fall away banked three pointer at the rack. That thing was that thing was crazy. But then like the game before that, they they like erased like a fifteen point deficit against Northwestern in like. Like five minutes yeah, to some, win, some and it was like it was like you can't be gra- grabbing the third rail against Northwestern and Rutgers and expect to be like successful in the tournament. Yeah. Um, I really like that. It, that so, should be that should be like the quote of this section of the episode. You can't be grabbing the third rail against Northwestern and Rutgers and expect to be good in the NCAA tournament. I think that's a good summary for life. Real quick, um, so I guess. Uh, Thoughts on the Big East? I think you should pencil in Marcus Howard for Player of the Year at this point. I don't think it's oh, going to be close. Come on, like I, I, I'm sorry. Yeah. No, ar- no arguments to the contrary. No. Phil um, Booth is not playing well enough. Miles Powell and Shamari Ponza's teams aren't good enough. It's it shouldn't yeah. be close. I mean, people are considering Marcus Howard as like if Zion didn't exist, he'd be Player of the Year. Yeah, or top three. Yeah, right. well, Doster's Doster has a. I don't know if he updates it weekly or whatever, but whatever this week's entry was. Marcus Howard was number two, and yeah. Zion was one, and like it was John Moran was number three. Yeah. So it's like he's and, right. And Ethan Happ was out of the top ten because he can't stay in the game because he can't shoot free throws. <laughs> anyway, sorry, I just had to work that one in. Uh, yeah. Imagine having to sit your All American in the in crunch time Dude, against granted against Illinois. Crunch time against Illinois. The crazy thing about it for me personally was it made me have more respect for Brad Davidson because Brad Davidson was like carrying them and like saving the game and like even like nate roivers was like doing an ethan happ impression and i was like well, that's kind of impressive except, that except, these guys well, can do this but he was making his free throws so yeah well right uh-huh. yeah no a non-free Imagine, throw but ethan like, happ impression that, going as objective as i can about wisconsin really quick that team is just primed to get destroyed in the tournament the only way that the only i i agree that they're an extremely flawed team my only pushback would be to that is that they won't get blown out because of how slow they play. Well, they play Wisconsin basketball. Right. Yeah, so And they also, they don't turn the ball over because they never turn the ball over given their pace. Yeah. But the fact that they have such a low turnover percentage is, that is like one of the major mitigating factors in getting beaten by a team that's much worse than you on paper in the NCAA tournament. So... I agree. I I mean I don't think they're a second weekend team. No. Um but I, mean, I probably... but I think it'd be I think it's much more likely that they get beaten 
in the in second like a round. four or five yeah. game yeah, by a second, much yeah. better team that doesn't have. I, it, I just know that somebody's gonna come in like so. I'm looking at their schedule right now. Um, losses. I mean, obviously they lost to Virginia on a neutral court. Um, everybody that's not named Duke has done that. God, they're projected to win all their remaining games. Yeah, they are. They also aren't exactly playing the upper echelon. No, they're not. Um, right. Because their their hardest game left on their schedule is Iowa, and it's at uh, the Kohl Center. Yeah, and so, then the next hardest is against Ohio State, who, if you let me briefly step on my soapbox, is bad. <laughs> Ohio State is. Oh my God, we that all- Michigan game, the Michigan State game. Oh my. God. God, that was awful. I like they like. I can't believe I was watching it at the gym and like I watched Michigan State pull away and I like I think I turned it off with like three or four minutes left and they still had the same amount of points at the end of the game when no. I turned it off and I was it's, like, what the hell? It was yeah. I was I let's let's not talk forty four points and sixty three possessions. More more than anything, I think what um this is the part where we don't have to talk about Marquette anymore, so we can just ramble about college basketball. Mm-hmm. But um. Look, I don't think. I mean, obviously, the analytics sites love the Big Ten, and that's fine. Um, I don't think the Big Ten is as good as we all thought it was to start the year. I mean, because like the Big Ten started probably the best of any conference, and we all went, "Ah, crap! Maybe the Big Ten is good. We, how do we deal with a, a world where Big Ten basketball is good?" Mm-hmm. Um, well, I give it credit then, for being way better than it has been. Well, but but then Big Ten conference season broke out, and believe it or not, in Big Ten conference season, Big Ten conference games happened. And yeah. good God. Well, the unfortunate thing for a lot of the teams in the Big Ten, especially Nebraska and Indiana, is that they died. Yeah, they're bad. Indiana Indi- is 4-11 and in the Big Ten. Indiana miserable. Indiana took a s- short step off of a long pier. Yeah. Or whatever the saying is there. Uh, Indiana's uh, in... A- <laughs> they're not making the turn. They're bad. They're 13-13. Uh, and 13. I mean, you can't... Unless they rip off a winning... Are you, uh, if you're curious, Indiana closes at Iowa, home to Wisconsin, home to Michigan State, oh, no. oh at Illinois, God. and home I mean, to Rutgers. I- Indiana is going to lose 17 games. Yeah, like they're <laughs> they're not going to make the tournament. No, uh, and uh, Nebraska, unfortunate more than anything because they lost uh, Georgetown transfer Isaac Copeland, who was probably their best player. Um, they haven't won since he's been gone, as far as I'm aware. Uh, they actually whipped off a little mini winning streak against Minnesota and Northwestern. Okay. And then they, and just when you thought all was well in the world, uh, they lost by 24 at Penn State on Tuesday. Womp. <laughs> <laughs> you don't, you don't, you don't try to lose by 20, 24 at Penn State. That yeah. is generally a bad rule of thumb. Um, but yeah, no, I mean, the Big Ten, uh, I think the Big Ten has a nice collection of average to good teams. The, the top four to... So the top six in the Big Ten, as of right now, are Michigan State, Michigan, Purdue, Maryland, Wisconsin, Iowa. And those are the only teams that's that are over 500 in good. the conference. Yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's fine. I mean, Iowa is, like, deeply flawed. Yeah, I, Iowa's deeply flawed. Wisconsin is deeply flawed. Maryland is Maryland is, Maryland is a weird team. Purdue didn't really figure themselves out until Big Ten conference season. Like Purdue, though. Although um, that defensive number is not what you want to say. Well, Carson Edwards is either hot takes incoming again from Sam. Carson Edwards is either the best player in America or somebody that shouldn't be shooting twenty five shots, but he is. Like there's he shoots way too much. There, there's no in between. He shoots like he's Marcus Howard, but in reality, he's more like who is his closest Ken Palm comp. Jacob Pullen. <laughs> this is the part uh, where Pat starts trying to pull. No, I mean in hat. reality he's more like uh, I don't know. He's a decent. He's a, a great scorer that shoots like he's the almighty uh, offensive guard, and he's yeah. not. Um, I, I he's a uh, yeah no. I mean he shoots too much. Is is yeah. a very easy, and that team needs. Um, that team needs complimentary contributions from a number of players, but also, like, I don't know. I, Purdue is, like, has Purdue, like, advanced past, like, the Sweet 16 under Matt Painter? The, the, no, I don't believe so. I don't well, think the, the, so. The, the, the running joke amongst... They, I know the, they lost yeah. in the Sweet 16 last year, and well, obviously the, Haas got hurt. Well, the, the, the running joke with that is that Matt... Like, people keep saying Mac Painter will never make a Final Four. Yeah. Even though he's been consistently good at Purdue, they're, they're, they're nev- they've never been in that position to, like, jump Elite Eight to yeah. Final Four. So they've you know? made 
back-to-back Sweet 16s and lost. Um, One year was here in Milwaukee when they played Iowa State. I know that. Uh, yes, um, they won that. Re- they won that. Um, not regional, but whatever it's called. The, they won their pod. Yeah. Um, and then lost to I believe Kansas. Yeah. 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 That was the Vermont Iowa State. I remember. Yeah. No, they beat Iowa State that year. My bad. They beat Iowa State. They beat Iowa State. Yeah, they won My that bad. pod. They beat Iowa State and then lost, lost the at Kansas. Kansas. And then the year before that, they got upset by Arkansas Little Rock, which was a thing. I'm just running through all the yeah. Results. No, it's it's it doesn't. It's it's really not a particularly impressive no. uh, 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 roster. What did they get eliminated by Santa Clara in? Uh, that's the. That must have been like the. CIB, CIB, yeah, CBI, yeah. yeah, that's it, that's it. Anyway, yeah. they played in that. Well, then they, anyway, well, that, that year they were sixteen and eighteen. So take that as you will. Um, yeah. Anyway, uh, I guess to wrap it all up, not to ramble too long about Big Ten basketball because right. God knows we don't want to do that. Um, the Big Ten's yeah. overrated. Big Ten's overrated. You heard it here first. Um, uh, I don't uh, brief Big Ten wrap up. The Michigan schools don't scare me uh, in in terms of. You know, they're being widely um, regarded as potential Final Four teams just based on they're both two seeds right now in, like, almost every bracket that exists. Um, they're both in the top ten in Ken Palm, so that's, like, you know, Final Four contender. Uh, they are more, like, Sweet 16 at best teams to me. I just yeah. don't. I Neither of the teams. Mi- Michigan's yeah. offense is... A there's lot. not a there's not a Kentucky or a Tennessee. There's not a Duke or a Virginia. There's not a, a I mean I guess the Big Twelve's kind of a mess right now too. Yeah, the but, Big Twelve's a mess, but in a in a more um, attractive basketball sure. way than um, the Big Ten. All right. But anyway, um, Marquette get a three seed because then you don't have to play a one seed in the Sweet Sixteen. You yeah, that'd a, be nice. Play a two seed that'll be a lot more vulnerable, like maybe one of those Michigans that yeah. I mentioned. Look at me. That's that's called tying it all back together. <laughs> That's what I'd I would there, especially in with the two injuries that um, Michigan State has. I would love to see Michigan State as the two seed markets oh, yeah. uh, bracket. I don't know how Michigan State's going to be able to hang on to that two seed. I don't either, but you know that's 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 for a future story. About. Yeah. So uh, I guess until then, um, you know, the dunk is always weird. And uh, and until then, uh, David Duke. Go by Dave. Yeah, please, God, David. Please go by Dave. Please go by Dave. Go by Dave. Go by Dave.